We're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome to day two, elective class, living at the pace of being known. My name is Greg. If you forgot my name, I guarantee I probably don't know your name, but we'll get to know each other. Um, well, yesterday, well, actually, before we get into this, I forgot about our book giveaway. Giveaway two books again. Um, I'm just going to combine them all for both sessions so you can kind of get whatever you want. We got This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transformed Teen Years. We have one copy left of Competing Spectacles. Tony Ranke, Treasure in Christ in the Media Age. We have a few left of Timmy Kay, Tim Keller, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And two left of Book of Books, How to Help You Read Your Bible Better. Um, good stuff. So if, you have your, if you're a note person, you have your notes handy. I got questions from yesterday. First hand up can get to win this. Um, yesterday... Um, we listened to a song, the second song. What was the band and the title of the song? Yeah, you. Nailed it. Oh, by the way, if you win a book, you can't like win another book. So, on your honor. Did you already win? You didn't win one. I did win one. I was going to say, all right, which one do you want? Well, I love for Timmy K. All right, second question. All right. Yesterday, I talked about two pervasive problems and their acronyms. Sorry, first. Got it. Man, click on the draw. What you want? Oh, Timmy K is popular today. Good choice. Flying off the shelf. Flying off the shelf. Um, so, just by way of reminder, so what we're trying to do, um, what did the book give away? Our goal, skip the slide. Our goal is, is a couple different things. We did this a little bit yesterday, reflecting on the speed of our life, the way we live our lives, the frenzy pace, placelessness, um, struggling to, we, we keep moving so fast that we don't know each other. We don't open ourselves up to be known by other people around us, even the people we're closest to and spend the most time with. I think that's a common struggle we have in today's world. Um, reflecting on that and what that feels like and what that's like and how we think, how we feel about it. Um, but then exploring God's speed, and we're really going to launch into that today. Um, we're going to watch a, a documentary, the first half of it today, that's called Godspeed. It's about a guy named Matt Canlis, who was um, an American guy and a pastor, and he's trying to figure out, how do I live at a pace where I can truly know other people and be known, and, and do that as a pastor even, and it's, it's his adventure as he goes to Scotland to, to figure that out. Um, good news is you don't have to go to Scotland to figure it out. Just say that ahead of time. Unless you want to go to Scotland, which is beautiful. It's wonderful. I've been there uh, once. It's awesome. Um, and then think about how we can we take some of these things back home. How we can be practical about that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive into today. We're going to be uh, jumping into Godspeed today, um, and then we'll kind of get even more practical on Friday. But uh, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for waking us this morning, for giving us... Uh, life and breath. Um, we pray that you would give uh, stillness to our hearts as we uh, consider these things, but also alertness because we are tired. But we pray that you'd help us to apply ourselves um, during this time that we might grow, that we might commune with you, um, that we might find a path um, to uh, more joyful um, Christ-centered living. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so our struggle... <coughs> talked about it a little bit yesterday. I want to sum it up in two quotes. Uh, the first is by a poet named Mary Oliver. 
And she said, the hardest work of all is standing still and learning to be astonished. Maybe you've even felt that struggle as you walk by the Rocky Mountains out here. It's sometimes very hard to just see the incredible things that are right in front of us. The people that are in front of us. The places. The animals. The trees. Flowers. The sounds. The smells. All the little things that are around us all the time. Um, that you take for granted. I, I felt this as I, I spent the week at the beach with my uh, family. I have three boys. And the, the second to last day, they were really annoying me. These kids do that. And then I stopped and thought, and I was like, you know what? In two days when I'm on a charter bus driving to Colorado, I'm really going to miss these kids. So I need to shut up and be thankful for what's in front of me. And we can do that very often. Um, another quote, this is uh, from... Mathematician, Christian mathematician Blaise Pascal is his classic one. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Mm-hmm. Depending on your personality, that sounds like could sound really awesome, or it could sound like dying a thousand deaths. Um, not just sitting in a room quietly alone reading a book or on your phone, but quietly alone with nothing, just your own thoughts, no inputs. Just your own mind, just your own heart. We struggle to do this. A lot of times we stay so busy because we don't want to deal with the stuff that's under the surface, the things that are going on in our hearts, the shame that we feel for the things we've done that have done been done to us. We struggle with this. We struggle with God's speed. Um, and so to enter us into that, we're going to watch the first half of God's speed. It's a short documentary. Write this down. Um, This is free. You can watch this online. Go to www.livegodspeed.org. And you can watch this again later. There's other resources. Livegodspeed.org. We're going to watch the first half, um, discuss it, and then we'll watch the second half um, um, on Friday. So I hope you guys will enjoy. This is Matt Canlis um, and his story. Um, him and his family's story as they go to Scotland. Um, since we just have this Bluetooth speaker, just try to be quiet for your neighbor so everybody can hear. Would you mind hitting the lights for me? I think they did help. I've been running for most of my life, running through life to get somewhere else. But the thing about running is that you miss things, many things. And if I kept running, I was going to miss everything. 15 years ago, I was finishing seminary. I studied history, I studied Jesus. I was pretty sure I knew what I was doing, 
The truth is I was centuries away and miles away from what Jesus did and what I was supposed to be doing. When I was running, it was easy to stay hidden, to avoid being known. One professor knew this, Eugene Peterson. He said, Matt, if you want to become a pastor, go find a parish. Go find a fishbowl where you can't escape being known and where you lose the fear of being known. I think what I realized that nobody in America gets listened to very much. I was surprised at how little people had relationships. And when I and all I had to do was just sit there and listen. I never word read anything on church growth. I just started out going through the neighborhoods, knocking on doors, getting acquainted with people. That's what started what I said to you. I just started looking at this is this is my parish. He knew that if I really wanted to walk like Jesus, I had to slow down. I was like, Eugene, I'm in. I'm sold. Where do I go to learn to become this kind of person, this pastor? He smiled and he said, you might have to go further than you think. You might have to leave America. And I thought, that'll never happen. <laughs> As it happened, my wife and I were invited to study in St. Andrews in Scotland. That's when everything began to change. <coughs> this is the story of learning to walk instead of run. It's the story of the places and the people who slowed me down. It's the story of the freedom I found and the freedom that found me. we moved to St. Andrews, began to study, began to fill our heads with more good knowledge. Also began to need some pounds. We needed money. And there was a job for a parish assistant. So I applied, got the job, and showed up to work. My first day on the job, I came to this door, and I said, where's my office? Reverend McDonald said, your office? And I said, right. Sorry, where's your office? And he said, my office? Then he walked me around to the sign where he pointed to his home telephone number, which was hand-painted. There is no office. So where do I work? Then he pointed down the street and said, 
Start walking. Get out into the parish. In Scotland, a parish is a piece of land. It's bordered by rivers, streams, mountain ridges, the ocean's edge. There are stone walls, farmers' fences. There are also roads, but roads that follow ancient walkways. Paths people have walked for centuries, from one farm or one house to another. And each house has a name. American houses have numbers. In Scotland, houses have names. It took me a while to understand the difference. It took me a while to even notice. It took walking to perish. When he said start walking, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was always driving my car, going too fast and there was people, or the weather, or anything. To be in a parish meant to walk. And that was a whole different way of living. The first door I knocked on, I kind of actually did my kind of... I was nervous, and that felt friendly. And I learned that I wasn't there to give people the good news. I was there to be a part of their life. With time, questions might come out, but I ended up learning more about them and they about me than me communicating the truth they needed to hear. People are not used to it being intimate in a verbal way. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, we don't want to be known by name many times because we don't know if they're going to like us. Who can you trust? My generation, our century, is the tourist generation. We are always on the move. And so we can avoid being known. We avoid our deepest fears of being known. I realized that this avoidance, that this way of moving, always being on the go, is totally different than the way Jesus lived in the first century, and the way most humans have lived for all of history. So two things were happening at once. I had Eugene calling me to slow down, to become a pastor. I also began reading Tom Wright, and in his writings, I discovered a whole different vision of what life was like in the first century. We live in such a rootless world. You know, my wife and I have moved house, I think, 16 times in 42 years. It's a sort of complete mirror opposite of that, polar opposite of that. To think of being in that one place is the Benedictine ideal, stabilitas, stability. You are here, you stay here, and you go deeper. I witnessed this idea of stability firsthand in a nearby abbey where the monks welcomed me on retreat as part of their community. Stability usually means staying in the same monastery all your life till you die. That is quite a challenge in a world which chases around all over the place. You're trying to escape from who you are, where you are, and the secret of stability or part of stability is to realize that I am a sinner, yeah, but before that I'm a beloved sinner. And so I am loved by God as I am. Very quickly, you see people's faults, at least I do, but to see people's virtues, no, it takes 
it takes longer to learn to know them. It takes, it takes time. And it's not boring. It's only boring if you lack imagination. In fact, it's fascinating because human beings are endlessly fascinating. <coughs> and you learn by going deeper rather than by the relentless quest for shallow novelty, which is how our culture lives. The world I was discovering in the writings of Tom Wright exposed me to a whole different way of living, to the way that Jesus lived, especially to the way Jesus earned people's trust, how he risked being known. He lived in a fishbowl where everybody saw everything he did and heard everything he said. When we read the New Testament, we must relentlessly avoid anachronism. We mustn't imagine that they think exactly like we do to say, okay, let's go into a world where actually when you walk down the street, you know not only who everybody is, but who their uncles and cousins and aunts were and who died last year and who got married the year before. That's the world that Jesus lived in. It's a very rich world, it's a very dangerous world. We'd be very vulnerable in that world and we protect ourselves against that. I'm gonna pause it real quick to see if I can get the audio and video to sync. It may just be the Bluetooth speaker, and I'm sorry if that's why it's doing that. To continue my training, we had to move from St. Andrews to Pitlochry. Beautiful village, center of the highlands. The church is perched on a hill. Malcolm Ramsey, the minister. I preached an awesome sermon one Sunday, but I asked Malcolm what he thought of it. Malcolm said the ending should have come 10 minutes sooner. Yeah. I was like, Malcolm, that's only a 20-minute sermon. People deserve more on a Sunday. Malcolm said, Matt, people deserve more on a Monday. When you were writing that sermon, did you take time to visit people? Well, no, Malcolm, I, I was busy writing my sermon. That's when I knew I had to go back to the parish and learn some more news. <coughs> of speech that's the most important thing in the language is the name. Names are the very basic life-giving term in language. You say a person's name, it means something because there's a relationship then. Until there's a name, there's no relationship. And I had pastors who never knew my name. Um, I was always greeted by my pastors with, um, how's your soul today? Never my name, just my soul. <laughs> it always irritated me. <laughs> but I started spending less time in my office and more time walking in the parish, meeting people. I knocked on one door, expecting a granny to answer the door, who I could look down upon and talk about the weather with. The man who opened it had deep blue eyes, giant red hair, and I froze. <laughs> And that's when I met Alan Torrance. Well, I've done a few good treks. And very often we like to get naked, no in any kind of crude way or to upset people. You can imagine coming through the woods and then you see about 30 lashes and guys, starkers, like, whoa, what's happening here? How you doing? Still say hello. <laughs> <laughs> and sensing my discomfort, he invited me in, made me a cup of tea, 
we got to talking about why I was there, which I still wasn't sure, but he put me at ease. He made me feel at home. The way I was brought up was that you had to show hospitality to folk. You know, get my cup of tea, or a biscuit, a meal if they need a meal. You know, so we take great pride in that. You know, we're not rich folk, but to me, you're poor if you can't offer hospitality. When I left Alan's house, a book fell off the shelf, which I didn't notice. But a minute later, Alan's at the door saying, Matt, Matt, look at this. Check this. That book fell from the shelf. And the book was St. John's Gospel. So I asked Alan, do you want to read it? He said, not really. <laughs> but I said, how about if we get together a few other people who don't want to read it? And we ask questions. We'd established they was going to set up a wee kind of group a man to look specifically at the Bible. While we were reading John's Gospel, I had a brilliant point on something theological. Alan said, give me a map. So we gave Alan the map at the back of the Bible. And I remember him realizing that the scale of the map was the same scale as where he lived. And how the distance from Capernaum to the Sea of Galilee was about the distance from Pitlochry to Dunkeld. He got the scale. Most of the main stories about what Jesus did are in that very small setting of Capernaum, Bethsaida, and just the area around the north edge of the Sea of Galilee. And occasionally he gets into a boat, goes over to the other side. But we're still talking about what in our language are small villages, you know, a few hundred inhabitants. Here was a guy who had never studied the Bible like I had, but he could see it better than I did. He could understand it almost naturally. In his person, in his way of seeing, I was moving to the first century, to the way people thought and saw things. The law at the time was, if you speak, and you're speaking, you know, lies, then you will be punished by being stoned to death. You know, if he was coming out with bold statements about, you know, raising people for the dead, making the blind see, he had to have convinced communities that that was true, and or else communities would hold him to account, and that he would, you know, have no credibility whatsoever. Part of Alan's skepticism was assuming Jesus preached in big cities, where he could project one image in public, but be somebody very different in private. You can't do that in a village. When Alan learned that Jesus lived in a village, earning people's trust the hard way, he believed. It wasn't a sermon that changed his mind. It was a map. So that whole scale of things was crucial to my understanding and my convincing of, you know, the power of Jesus Christ. Basically, a lot of what happened was in an oral culture where they uh, told stories where they remembered what had happened. We, we can get a little glimmer of this from time to time. If a celebrity comes to town, if a famous footballer or rock star, what we have to imagine is a culture which was like that about everything all the time. And they just told this stuff and they knew things as a result in a deeply human way, which we have 
been in danger of forgetting now for quite some time. And that's all for today. <laughs> but don't worry. Friday we're going to finish it. Um, would you mind hitting the lights again, folks? Can help me with that. So it's a little taste of the story, uh, Matt's story of Godspeed. I'm going to try to spend a little time filling that out a little bit. I'm sure you're like processing. Um, talk with each other about the, the film as you're, as, you're, as you're experiencing it. And I'd love to chat with you as well, but won't have the time to do that right now. But I'm going to try to fill out a little bit, maybe provide a little bit of background as we think about it ourselves. Um, Godspeed defined. What is this word that we're talking about? Um, Maybe normally you've heard it um, in other ways, like Godspeed, you good chap, you know, like this old old English kind of strange setting someone with a top hat, you know, saying it to someone else. Um, it actually does come from the old English, and it actually is uh, going pairing very well with what Richie's been talking about with us. Uh, old English meaning of Godspeed means may God flourish you, may God flourish you on your way as you go, may God speed you along and flour- and cause flourishing to come into your life as you go. But it's also in the the idea and the the terminology of this documentary the pace that we move where we're actually knowing each other and being known that's flourishing that's shalom it's really closely related to that hebrew idea of peace but it's not just peace it's greater than that it's this fullness this wholeness this flourishing this holistic uh flourishing and wholeness in one's life where you're this richness and you're getting to see a little bit about that when matt's talking about his understanding that jesus's world as well as the world in, in these small parishes in Scotland, was very different than the world that we live in. There's a lot more intimacy and closeness, and, and people stick around. Maybe some of you have that in some of your families. My wife's family have lived in Mississippi for like 150 years, 200 years. I come, I'm an Air Force brat, and both my parents are Air Force brats. Everybody in my immediate family was born in a different country. Uh, maybe you relate one end of the spectrum or the other, but there's this value, and as uh, I think N.T. Wright said there, of going deeper, staying in one place and going deeper. Not being part of the tourist generation, but going deeper. And that's the world that Jesus lived in. It's very different from ours, and so often we'll take our experience and put it on top of Jesus's or on top of the Bible and interpret it that way, but that's not the way we ought to do so. Um, but that's the idea. And the two ideas that kind of go together for God's speed that I want us to think about is being present where you are. You are in one place at one time, physically limited in a body all the time. You are at the YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park, Colorado right now in, this, in the Texas room or whatever this is called. In the chair you're in next to the people you're in. You are here right now. There are people around you and you're either present with them or you're not. You'll either look them in the eye or you won't. That's presence in a place, a local place, and that's good. The other thing is to be present to who surrounds you. And I kind of hinted at that. It's the people around you. Not just the people around you, but the things around you. The, the trees, the flowers, the geography, the events, the things that are going on. You know, we, this goes back to the video we watched yesterday where everybody's kind of walking down the manhole because they're on their phones. Or we, that, that anxiety bubbles up. I'm in a line and I don't know what to do. Maybe you felt that as you're going to breakfast. You're like, uh, what do I do right now? Being present to who surrounds you. There's someone infinitely interesting and amazing, eternal around you at all times when you're around people. There's stories behind every person you meet. 
There's stories behind every tree, every place. There's a story around behind Estes Park, the Rocky Mountains, how this place got to be here, these old people on the wall that I guess have something to do with this building being here. It's a story I don't know. Being present where you are and to who surrounds you. So let's do a passport check. Let's compare our lives with Jesus' lives. Let's try to think about the places we've been. For us, we're international. I can say, I'd say that for my family. Uh, we're all born in different countries. I was born in Germany. My dad was born in France. My mom was born in Okinawa. My brother was born in Las Vegas. Air Force family. How many of you guys have been out of the country? It's okay if you haven't, it's all right. How many of you guys have uh, lived in multiple states in the U.S.? Okay. How many, times you have, how many of you have moved house at least once in your life? How many of you have moved at least five times? At least ten, at ten times? Oh, wow. We live all over the place. We haunt stay on the movie. So the tourist generation, that's the way we live our lives, and that's kind of the expectation. Like, I don't know, my family is like, well, you get where you get a job, that's where you go. It's not based on your family or depth of relationship. For my, my wife, it's like, well, we're going to live in Jackson because that's where family is. But then we left Jackson, so I'll tell you that story later. Um, it was hard. Um, and still is sometimes. We're also disembodied. What, I mean, what do I mean by that? Of course, you're still in your body. But we live as though we are not in a body. We, we live online. We live somewhere else. We're imagining where we are. That goes back to the whole FOMO thing. Um, we're con- you know, on our smartphones, social media, and even gaming. Gaming is probably the most immersive experience because you can increasingly more and more so VR stuff um, be somewhere else, not with your body. And you've got um, you know, different um, sci-fi um, yeah, like music, uh, movie producers are picking up on this, like the Black Mirror is picking up on this a lot. You know, you're, you're actually living in this other place. It's kind of freaky. Um, more and more, but th- th- we we have the seeds of this now in our own lives, and and if we looked at our passport, we're we're all over the place, right? But if we compare to Jesus, like uh, the Scotsman, Alan was learning, Jesus was highly local. He lived in a place smaller than Scotland. He never left that place. He walked on, and you know the the scale of the map. If you ever look in the back of your Bible, the scale of your map, it's not that big. And he lived his whole life there, and people knew him as he went. A lot of times we maybe think there's something wrong with that. That's, that's unimpressive. That's not sexy. Right? Passport check. Speed test. Let's do a speed test. Let's compare ourselves to Jesus and the first century. Um, like Matt kind of alluded to when, in the video, we, run, we were driving around. We're moving at 60 miles an hour, either physically or mentally and, and emotionally. We're blazing we're flipping through, we're scrolling. Um, whether it's in cars and just the mode of transportation we take. Um, hopefully you guys have been enjoying the walking around. It's a little slower, nicer here. Get some good exercise too. I've been enjoying it, except I've been getting more sunburned. Can't help it as a ginger. But it's beautiful to get to do that. But most of the time, we're, we're, we don't even have time to see the people that we're passing. We don't even know where we are. Um, maybe we're like that on the bus when you're on the way here. I, you know, you just you forget where you are. Um, also, the internet moves so quickly. We can stream and, and access so much information and content and, and images and videos that um, we're, we're just, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the most entertaining thing? Am I staying on top of stuff? Do I know what's going on? I'm in the loop. Um, that has a cumulative effect on you. That shapes your, your brain. 
that shapes your habits, it makes you anxious. You guys are the anxious generation. That's one of the term, terms for the Gen Z. Um, that's, part of the re- that's part of the reason. And, and just so you know, millennials feel it too. Um, but compared to Jesus, he lived life at walking speed, which the average human walks three miles per hour. And, and, and N.T. Wright's going to talk about in the rest part of the documentary. He walked everywhere. He had to wait on stuff. You know, we listened to the Arcade Fire song. We used to wait. He had to wait for stuff. We had to wait for letters to arrive, not knowing if someone's going to send the response back or reciprocate the feelings you've expressed in the letter that you've signed your name to. He walked everywhere. He had to wait on things. He couldn't do everything all the time. He had to be in one place at one time. That's the way he lived his life. He was in a fishbowl. He was known deeply. And later in the documentary, it's kind of amazing. He's going to talk about one woman who lived in the same Scottish village her whole life, 93 years. And what Matt says is, she was known in a way I will never be known. Can you imagine living life 93 years with the same people? The depth of love and knowing that is there. If you keep moving, you never get to taste any of that. And I'll say for for me, like being, being in St. Louis the last four years has been a sweet taste of that for me. Because most of my life up until that, it was like, well, what's the next thing i got to go do? Uh, maybe you guys feel that way. All right, let's take just some time reflecting on this. Um, I've got paper that we can pass out. <coughs> I'm going to send this out. Um, where do you live? How long have you lived there? How many times have you moved? It's pretty easy. Um, draw a map of your parish. You have a parish, the place you live. Think about the key places, your neighborhood, your town, your school, your church. Draw them on a map. Maybe you, like the only map you ever look at is on the phone when you're going somewhere. Can you even draw your town or your neighborhood? Maybe a challenge. Spend a few minutes doing that. You know, maybe we're not going to be able to finish here, but get it started just to kind of get the juices flowing. And maybe uh, write down a few descriptors of your speed. So spend a few minutes reflecting on this. And if you need paper, um, some folks will be passing it out. Anybody else need paper? So just really, really spend most of your time on the number two because the other ones are pretty quick to answer and think about. Sketch out a map of your parish real quick. You need some paper? Let's see if we got any more. Two years and a half, everybody can use it. Do you have any a pen? Noise, noise, 
kind of fun. <laughs> oh, so sorry. <laughs> Some of you, there may be like 20 miles between these places. It's good to know that. An awareness of that. Get your sketch of your parish started. You can uh, finish it later today, but get it started. If you're drawing your neighborhood, do you know who lives next to you? Do you know the name of their dog? What, you do? Uh, I can't hear you. Okay. All right, hopefully you've got it started. I'm going to draw us back together. All right, let's bring it back together. So this is just to get your, your juices flowing, get it started maybe later today. You get to finish that sketch to think a little bit more about what your parish is. You know, and, and compare with your compare with your friends. Like, hey, what does it look like for you? Some of yours is really spaced out. You have like 20 miles to drive between some of these places. Some of you, it's really small. We're, I'm thankful that mine is fairly small. We live off of the same main road as the church. We have a park across the street from our neighbor we can walk to. It's awesome. And uh, so a lot, our world is fairly small. And, and my boys go to the school at our church, which is awesome. Uh, so everything's really close, close for us, which is, which is cool. It's been a struggle for me, though, because um, just getting to know even your neighbors, it takes time. Um, so you guys may be thinking, maybe you're not, all right, Greg, that's great. That sounds awesome. Maybe you have a little bit of an, an, a desire to say, hey, I want to maybe live this way or maybe change the way I'm living. Um, but that, that just seems impossible, Greg. How do I have the, the power, the, the ability to even do this? Because the, everything seems to be pushing against kind of living this way, right? Actually, I'd even say this. If you live in the suburbs especially, 
Your world is structured against this. It was designed and laid out in a way to keep people separate from each other. Because everybody has to have their own castle, privacy castle, where you can literally drive home, drive up your driveway, drive in the garage, and shut the garage door, and never have to see anybody. You have, everybody has their own fence. The roads are designed for driving, not walking. I won't walk very many places around my house. I'll walk to the park because I only have to cross one scary street. But there's other places that are within walking distance that I wouldn't want my kids or myself walking to or my wife walking to because people will run you over. Because they're going 60 miles an hour, they can't see you, and they're on their phones. Right? This is really hard because the world is structured against this. And that's sad. That makes me sad, at least. I don't know if it makes you sad. Um, but how do we do this? How do we live Godspeed? Where's the power to do it? Because if you're going to try to do this, you're going to have to have some, some resources outside yourself. To start with, at the very least. When I want to say Jesus saves us, he restores us, he shows us as an example, living three miles an hour, and empowers us by his Holy Spirit that indwells us to live Godspeed right where we are. You don't have to go to Scotland to live this way. But you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit living inside you. You cannot do it without, like Richie said last night, leaning in to Christ, owning your sin, owning your unrighteousness, your lack of holiness, and then clinging with all your might, which is probably not very strong because we're weak, to Jesus. Receiving the Holy Spirit, empowering you to live in this countercultural, counterintuitive way, this old way, this better way of life. You cannot do it without this power because everything else is pushing you in the other direction. So it starts from this internal change that God does inside of us to renew us, to empower us, and Jesus gives us an example of how to live this way. Think about how personal he was with people. Do you remember the story when he was walking through the crowd? There's a huge crowd of people. He's touching all these different people on the way to heal somebody else. And the woman who had, had the internal bleeding for a decade or more, decades, touches him and is healed. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And this, this woman was an outcast because of her uncleanness, because of her disease. He stops everything. The disciples are like, what are you talking about? Like 50 people are touching you right now. Because you're in the middle of a crowd. He stops and he turns around and he connects with this woman. He locks in with this woman. This outcast woman in the middle of this huge crowd. That's weird. That's the way Jesus lived. If you go throughout the Gospels, that's the way he lived. That's the way he lived with people. With people on the outside especially. We can't do that unless we have the Holy Spirit renewing us and helping us along that path. So I want to tell the gospel story from a different angle as we think about living God's speed. The story revolving around four priests or four priesthoods. And what is a priest? A priest makes offerings and sacrifices to God. He cares for the temple. He represents God in a place before a people. And the first priest was Adam. In the garden, we looked at it a little bit yesterday, and he failed. His job was to make offerings of praise to God to cultivate the garden, to care for the temple, which is the Garden of Eden, and to honor him and represent him in that place, and he failed. And he failed on our behalf, so we are all caught up in that. Sin requires 
uh, account, like Richie said last night, somebody's got to pay for it. And so God sets up this new priesthood to show that sin requires bloodshed. We see a hint of it in the garden where animals are killed to give them covering, like animal skins. But then later on in the Old Testament, in the priesthood of Levi and Aaron, with the tabernacle and the temple and Leviticus, which we all get stuck in, reading our Bibles all the way through. But the whole point of Leviticus is sin requires payment. And it's a big deal. It's such a big deal that you have to do all these things to cover it. It's not a light thing. But this priesthood was limited. It, the, the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse sin, can it? Fence against God, committed by human beings and made in his image? No, it can't. This was a temple that was a shadow, a picture of the one to come. Aaron was a picture of a greater priest that was to come. And we see that in Christ Jesus, who in his very body was the temple. He, he saw, he walked by the temple and, and says in John 2, 21, and he says, in three days, I'm going to tear down this temple and rebuild it. And everybody's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? It took decades and decades to build this temple. And John gives us a little side note. He said he was talking about his own body. Jesus in his own body is temple that we worship. We worship him. We worship there. He restores and fulfills the priesthood that Adam failed. To make offer, he makes a holy offering to God. Not only does he make the sacrifice, but he is the sacrifice. And he make, brings reconciliation. And he gets us back on that path towards Shalom. He gives us the power to lift God's speed. And like Richie said last night, he, it's an invitation. He invites us in to be priests with him. This is incredible. We're told that our bodies are temples to God and dwelled by the Holy Spirit. God dwells within us. We become the temple. Our bodies become the temple. Wherever we are, whatever state you're in, whatever town you're in, whatever school you're in, whatever family you're in, you are a temple of the Lord. You are his presence in that local place, giving glory to him. We become priests wherever we are, making offerings to God in a local place with people who need that love too. And if we live at God's speed, we have a greater opportunity to do that. We're empowered to do that by the Holy Spirit. We're called a royal priesthood in First Peter, a people belonging to God. We weren't a people, but now we are a people. We hadn't been received mercy, but now we receive mercy. In Revelation, we're told that we're a kingdom of priests to God. That's what we will be, and that's what we are now if we're in Christ. That is what he's inviting us into, to be this type of priest. And I've got more on this. I'm going to skip over it. But just, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But Jesus, to become our priest, he had to be fully human. He had to grow and be, do all the things that we did. I don't think we have time to talk about it now, but I want to, I want to just list that. And that's what it means for us. We are living sacrifices, living for the welfare of the city we're placed in where we are. Um, I want to close out our time doing something weird. You want to do something weird with me? Yes. All right. We're going to go a little past time. Are you cool with that? We're going to listen to another song. All right. We're going to do something weird. If you're not in a chair, it's okay. You can still do this. All right. What I want you to do. You ready? Sit in your chair. Sit up straight. Put your feet flat on the floor. Good posture. Just sit your hands right here flat. What we're going to do is I'm going to play a song, and it's going to be um, kind of a prayer for us to utter it's in two parts. What we're going to do is kind of still ourselves down, 
calm our bodies down, kind of orient ourselves in a place so that we can be attentive to this prayer. This is something I try to do sometimes because I don't know if you're, you're like me. My mind and my heart can be so busy that it's hard for to start to start praying. So sometimes just to do this kind of thing, slow myself down, uh, helps me be ready to pray. So I want you to just kind of, I'm going to kind of lead you through this and then I'm going to play the song. And it's going to be two parts. It's going to be a prayer and we can just kind of enter into that with the Lord and close out our time. So what I want you to do is kind of have like a soft focus. Keep, keep your eyes open, soft focus. Just relax your body. And I want you to take a deep breath in through your nose. And out through your mouth. And do another deep breath in through the nose. And out through your mouth. Just keep breathing. Now the next deep breath in, slowly close your eyes. Relax your body. Just keep deep breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. Being still, it's relaxing, but not sleeping. I want you to just kind of feel your weight, of, just an awareness of where you are. You're, you're just feel your weight in the chair, your hands on your knees, your back against the chair. Take another deep breath in and out. And now just breathe as it feels natural. And I'm going to start with the song. Just keep your keep, stay still and slow deep breathing as you listen and, and just make this your prayer to the Lord.
Our Father, we praise you because you see us as we are, where we are, in our breakneck pace and our hiding from you, and our fear and our anxiety to be seen by you, to be seen by others, to be known by you, to be known by others. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would inhabit our, our bodies, that you would make us more and more your temples, shining out with the radiance of your glory in the local places you put us, in the relationships, the families, the friendships, the churches, the communities you placed us. And Father, we pray that you give us the boldness, the courage, the power, the example to live at God's speed. We pray for your grace, your mercy, that you would convince us fully that you're, you're nothing but love for us. So much love that you pay for our sin through Christ Jesus. You conquer the grave through Christ Jesus, that he earned righteousness on our behalf and credits to us just by having faith. And that one day we will be restored and with him in a place that is the way it ought to be. Help us this week, Lord, to enter into this. Help us to embrace the bodies you've given us, the place you've given us. And help us to move at three miles an hour with you, enjoying you, and glorifying you forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.